Jesus. Hallelujah. We look to you, Jesus. We look to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. The, uh, the book of Acts, the 16th chapter. Acts chapter 16 and verse 23. Amen. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison uh, and made their feet fast in the stocks. I guess that's the safest place is the deep inner chambers of the prison. Um, and, at, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They obviously were not hush-hush about it. They were not whispering or, or just kind of praying and singing silently. But they lifted up their voice and everyone else heard them. And because of that, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. All because somebody decided just to sing praises to God anyways. Didn't matter where they were. It just God is always worthy of praise and lifting up their voice and singing praising the God. And so I want to preach to you today from this title, The Voice of Victory, The Voice of Victory. Turn to a few people and greet them as you're seated today. Amen. A, a, uh, a few years ago, um, when around this time of the year, uh, the, the hunting season begins to open up in, in October uh, this time, and um, if you know anything about the hunting season, the first ones in are the, uh, the muzzleloaders and archers, the ones that uh, aren't the high powerful guns. Uh, but a, a man uh, obviously was an avid hunter, and he lived for this time of the year, and so hunting season opens up, and so he's out there. And he must have went to church the week before and, and uh, blessed the church with a large offering or something because he... Uh, a large buck showed up in his crosshairs of his uh, gun, and he he pulled the trigger. And so this was about uh, 6.30 at night. And we know this because he called a, a family member, and he was so excited and so thrilled that he shot this large buck. Like uh, every hunter obviously is excited when that happens. And so he gets to climb down from his tree stand, and he's got now he's got to go find the animal uh, that you shot uh, because they just don't drop dead right then. They keep on running usually most of the time. And um, he goes down to find his kill, and but to find out that this buck, this deer, is not dead. It is still alive. And let me tell you that uh, this buck was not happy. He was not happy that he's got this huge hole in the side of his body that came from this guy climbing out of the tree. And uh, so he made up his mind, this buck made up his mind, that he was going to let the hunter know just how he wasn't pleased with that decision. And uh, so around 8 o'clock, the, the hunter calls a family member. Maybe it's the same one. He just called and bragging about how he shot this deer. Now he's calling back, and the phone call is a little bit different. He calls, and he's saying now that he's injured. The hunter is now injured. And... 
obviously not exactly sure of all the details, but we can probably put A and B together and uh, assume that once he got out of his safe place from the tree, got down to look for his his kill, that the, the buck was waiting for him at some point. And um, a buck is a really large animal. Uh, and so if you're not expect if you're expecting to go find a dead a dead one laying down and then there's a live one staring at you with you know big antlers uh, that it doesn't not going to end up well and tragically it didn't end up well for this hunter he actually on the way to the hospital he actually died from his injuries from the buck so the hunter then became the hunted. He was looking for prey. He found prey. But then he became the prey. Things don't always go their plan, do they? Day you are on the mountaintop, and then the next day or next week you're down in the valley. One quarter you're winning and everything's looking good, but then the next quarter things are red and not looking good. One minute you're the hunter and the next minute you're the hunted. With such swings and unexpected upsets, uh, one can only imagine the, the, the shock and utter confusion that takes place, especially something as drastic as this hunter story was, um, but going from one extreme to the other, shifting from one side to the other, uh, from one place to the other, and talk about your, your nerves really kind of getting twisted up like a pretzel. And, and your motions get all bent out of shape because you're just, you're blindsided. How in the world did this happen? It, it, this didn't see this down the path that I was walking and everything seem to be fine, but then all of a sudden things get bent out of shape. And the only thing that can bring comfort to your soul would be some kind of consistency, that something that is always there and always straight and always true. When, when things are constantly changing around you, going up and down and, and sideways and back, uh, news cycle to news cycle, and uh, what we need in our life is something that is constant, something that does not waver and move with the weather. And I'm here to tell you today what we need more in this day and in this hour is Jesus Christ in our life and his unchanging word. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That what I experienced with Jesus yesterday, I know I can experience the same thing today. Because he does not change. He doesn't have different mood swings where I'm not sure how to approach God today. No, he is always the same. And when the news turns bad, Jesus is always still good. I can always find good hope and assurance in his word because it never changes. I don't have to worry about an upset with Jesus. I don't have to be wor to worry about uh, climbing down from the ladder and all of a sudden expect finding something else out because there is no turning in Jesus. He doesn't change his, his ways or his mind depending on the day. There is no variableness, neither shadow of turning that I don't have to wait uh, and to see what kind of wind or rains are going to bring tomorrow. Uh, but at least I know that I can hold his hand, and I know he knows what's going on tomorrow. He has the world in his hands, and he holds the future in his hands. I can't, I can't speculate what's going to happen, but I know who knows about it, and that is Jesus. And the closer that we are with him and his word, Amen. The more consistency we can have in our life. That doesn't mean everything is going to be fine and better. That just means that we have something firm that we can always stand upon. 
that we may be blown uh, back to and fro and, and situations come and go and mountaintops and valleys and all this changing things around us. But if we're planted upon the word of God and we have a relationship with Jesus, it may blow against us, but it's not going to blow us down. The weapons may be formed, but they're not going to prosper because we're planted in the word of God and then Jesus is with us. But can you imagine the utter shock, and maybe you've experienced uh, drastic swings like this, uh, but somebody who was on top of the world, and uh, they're, you know, you, everyone that's up there is always singing and bragging, and they're to the best day, living their best life now, and uh, telling everybody about it, and uh, shouting for all those to hear, but now all of a sudden, where's their voice? They're nowhere to be found now. That's why. It's because they're probably not on the mountaintop anymore. They're in the valley. Another season has come into their life, and the weather's changed, and things aren't always the same. And so talk about an emotional swing. Um, there's really nothing, no medication that strong to help uh, us. Of course, the only view is that's the view from one perspective. From that of the hunter, when you're up on the mountaintop and things are going well, that's, that's only one viewpoint. That's your viewpoint. There's a lot of other viewpoints out there in the world, uh, even God's viewpoint and the devil's viewpoint and all these things. And so what happens is in our viewpoint, everything's fine. But we can't see everything. There's things behind the scenes that are moving and, and working and, and, and God doing things, and we can't see that, but God does. Uh, and so when that hunter climbed down from this tree and he turns and he's uh, looking eye uh, with this buck uh, that is not happy, uh, you better believe that I'm sure he probably had a heart attack. At least I would, just trying to uh, replay the situation in my mind. Uh, my heart probably would jump or skip a few beats. But what about the perspective of the prey? perspective of this buck. Uh, when the tables turn and the prey begins to hunt the predator, when the victim uh, then now all of a sudden is declaring victory over the victor, uh, when the tables are turned, that's another perspective, one, one not of uh, uh, fear and, and, and terror, but on the opposite side, that's one of, man, that's a great, this is a great situation. Look how the tables have turned, and uh, I thought I was losing. I thought I was dying. I, I thought that I was, there's no hope for me, but now all of a sudden things have changed, and now I can see the light. Now I see a, a hope. I see a way out. I see how God can do things, and, and so that's an, another perspective that uh, many times we find ourselves in either or. Um, and so uh, then the person who is in the valley being covered with, you know, darkness and oppressed and, and, and there's no way out, now all of a sudden they're on the mountaintop and now it's their turn to sing the praises and, and shout and shout from the rooftops and of all how great things are going in their life. Um, and... Uh, can anyone attest to that in your life? Maybe there's been experiences happening in your life where all of a sudden, man, uh, either you're good or you're bad, but whatever happens, all of a sudden things turn around and you didn't see that coming and all of a sudden things are uh, drastically different. Maybe you were in a dark place like the valley of the shadow of death and you were not sure if you're going to make it out of it and you didn't even know that there was a way out of it and and all you could hear was a voice the voice of the oppressor, uh, the voice of the enemy that's constantly attacking you while you're there, uh, condemning you, maybe your choices you made or not or or maybe they're mocking you or, or making fun of your faith and laughing at you because you go to church and you, you sing worship God and you pray to God and, and you shouldn't be uh, going through uh, but the enemy is always going to be there. There's always going to be a voice that try to get you down and to keep you down. 
But then all of a sudden, if you're a believer like us, a born-again believer, whatever uh, dark situation you may be in, and you may feel that you're all alone, but all of a sudden you, you begin to cry out to God and you begin to lift up your voice and to make your voice known. And then maybe you feel a, a brush of angels' wings and that kind of comforts you to know that you're not alone in this, that God knows where you're at, that he's going to be there. He's not going to leave us or forsake you. Or maybe you hear a still small voice, the voice of God telling you, I'm not going to leave you. I'm right there with you. And you feel the hand of God then all of a sudden come into your situation and lift you up out of that place and, and set you uh, uh, your feet on a rock to stay in the strong tower of the presence of God. What a, what a turn of events that is. And what a reason that is to rejoice when things like that happen. Obviously, uh, that's coming from the valley to the mountaintop, and I'm sure there's plenty of examples we can talk about when we were uh, on the mountaintop and then we had to go through a valley, uh, how our emotions are affected and even our faith can be affected when things turn for the, down, uh, for the downward direction. But even still, we have to, uh, we can't allow just that the next circumstance. Till all of a sudden, how does this next situation how does that have so much power to shake all of the faith that I've had over the years? All of a sudden, something new happens, and all of a sudden we think, oh, uh, God has never been there for me. God's never brought me through a hard time. Uh, God's never delivered me out of the valley. That's what the enemy tries to speak to us. But I'm here to tell you that no matter where we are, up or down, God is always there. He knows where his children are at, and we just got to cry out to the Lord in our distress. We cry out to God, and he's going to hear us and be there with us and, and help deliver us and bring us out. One of the uh, stories where there was a lot of uh, swings and, and ups and downs in their lives was when the children of Israel were, were being delivered from Egypt and how Moses finally got to lead them out through the hand of God and the ten plagues. And so you can imagine the excitement of them actually picking up and saying, we're, we're leaving, and, and actually start marching out of Egypt, out of that lifestyle, that, that way of sin. And um, now we, we see them, they're, they're going towards the promised land, and they're all excited and happy um, until they get to the Red Sea, where it seems like it's a dead end. And uh, all of a sudden, you can just feel the change in temperature and then their minds, uh, you know, they begin to like, okay, this is a dead end. Like, what, what was all this about? The party's already over. And uh, what didn't help was when they started to hear Pharaoh's army started chasing them. And that will get you to, to run even quicker, get an extra pipping your step and, and, and going a little faster. Uh, but it's not good when you run up against the Red Sea and the army is still coming after you. It's like you've, you, are, you are moving up the valley, out of the valley of darkness, and you're, you're marching up the, the mountain, but then all of a sudden you, you hit a big cliff or something and you can't pass, but the army is still chasing you, and you know your time is short. Um, and so you can imagine how things, their emotions and things were going in their life. Um, but Exodus 14 talks about uh, after God made a miracle and the, the Red Sea parted, and that would have brought a, a fresh uh, a fuel of, of excitement, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it didn't take very long for them to get across the sea. They were probably booking it. Um, but uh, once they finally got across, Exodus 14, 22, the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, and all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. 
And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the hosts of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And they took off the... And, and took off their chariot wheels that drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord uh, fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And uh, again, here's another perspective. These guys are chasing them down, and they're getting close, and they're, yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're almost going to capture them. And all of a sudden, the wheels start flicking off. God starts flicking the wheels off the chariots, and they're realizing this, this is not normal. I mean, we build the best chariots in the world, and we're going across on dry ground. There shouldn't be any problem. All of a sudden, I don't know what they saw or how it played out, but all of a sudden, after wheels start flying off, they've figured out that God, the God of Israel is now in, in the midst of us. And we're stuck in this valley uh, with walls all around us, and there's no way out for us. And so... Uh, let's turn around and flee. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again up unto, upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. The sea returned to his strength, and when the morning appeared, the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that they came into the sea after them, and there remained not so much as one of them. Amen. Talk about a reason to rejoice. Uh, Pharaoh's army, they were the hunters. They were on the hunt, and they saw their prey, and they were going after them. But soon, all of a sudden, things shifted and changed, and they, all of a sudden, now they became hunted, and God uh, stepped in and uh, uh, took care of the Egyptians and collapsed the sea upon them. And, and so you can imagine uh, uh, the emotions again, Israel uh, fretful and, and scared when they faced the sea. Now it opened up. Now they're running through. They're excited again. And now they're ch the chariots are chasing them. And all of a sudden, now they turn around and the sea has come in and, and wiped them out. And now they're back on the mountaintop. And in and, and chapter 15, they start bringing out the, the timbrels and, and start singing and dancing. But why? Because God brought them out of that situation. Uh, and so how the tides have turned. But what happens is what helps get you out of your situation is when you start crying out to the Lord, when you start using your voice and saying, God, I need some help here. God, where are you? God, look at the enemy around me. I know you can defeat them. I know you can bring me out of this, but we need to use our voice to help bring us into the victory that God has for us. But only until we cry out to God uh, do we begin to go down that path. See, the, Egyptian, the Israelites, they were in Egyptian bondage for hundreds of years. But the Bible says, but he heard their cry. He heard their cry and he turned his ear to them and he began to help uh, deliver them out of their situation. And so uh, 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 the path of victory must first begin with a cry, with a voice. A voice has to be lifted up. Our sound has to be made and, and called unto the Lord. And, and, and we cry out to him for help. In our distress, we cry unto the Lord and he hears us. But if, if, we, if we don't cry out to God, um, uh, God's not, we, we're not getting a hold of God's attention. And I know, I know that's, it's, it's kind of uh, strange because we know that God knows everything. And he knows where we're at, and he knows every, everything that happens. He knows the hairs on our head, every thought that we have. He knows all of these things. But uh, it's, it's interesting uh, to see that something does happen when the people of God cry out to God. When they lift up their voice, something uh, supernatural begins to happen. And so no matter what situation we find ourselves in, the best way, the quickest way to get out of it, your exit plan has to begin with your voice. To lift up your voice and to cry out to God, just to send up a beacon. Say, hey, God, I'm right here. I know you know where I'm at. I'm just reminding you that this is where I'm at. And I know you're making a way, but I want to make it known to you to make sure you hear my voice 
voice and hear my cry. Because victory begins with a voice. And if, if the Bible says if we don't cry out, then the rocks will cry out. Why? There's, there's always going to be a sound that is going to be uttered. There's always going to be a voice that is going to be spoken. And so it might as well be my voice. I might as well lift up my voice unto the Lord. I might as well cry out. and I might as well pray to him so that he can hear me when I call. And so the story of Israel is the story of us, how um, uh, lives are up and down. Things are always changing, but God is always there. No matter what happened in the Old Testament, how they've ended up in bondage or captivity or, or being oppressed or all these things, the underlying factor that we see always is that God was always there. He's just sitting there waiting for his people, waiting for them to turn to him uh, and cry out to him. When Whenever they did that, if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land and touch them and help deliver them. But there has to be that turning. Many times uh, the, the victory doesn't begin is because uh, we are not turned to God and crying to him. Because when we don't do that, when we don't cry out to God for help, that means by default we we got it, right? If I don't say, God, help me, then we're, we're thinking, oh, I can handle this. I can, I can do this. Um, and it's the same with, uh, uh, that's the power of prayer is when, uh, when we pray to God, we're humbling ourselves. And we're, by that actions, we're saying we need God. We can't live without him. And, and so if we don't pray, our, 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 what our actions are saying is, well, I don't really need God. I got this. I got this. And so many times in, in Israel's history, when we see them being oppressed and, 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 and being invaded by the enemy is because they were, doing, they were going down their own path. And they, they weren't crying out to God. They weren't worshiping him. They weren't uh, uh, offering sacrifices. But the moment in their mind that they came to the realization that says, uh, we shouldn't be here. Uh, we are the people of God that uh, we, should, we should not be uh, the, the prey, but we should be the predators, should be vic the, the, the victors. Uh, but w in the moment of their minds, when they turned around and they began to cry, on, uh, cry out to God, that's when God steps in and starts making a ray, uh, raising up judges and raising up people to help deliver them. It wasn't until the people realized that, hey, I, I need to speak out. I need a, I'm in a place that I, I shouldn't be in, and I need to call out to God. And every time that he called out, they called out to him, God responded. And so why, the question is, why, why should we wait so long? Why do people get, why, do we, why are we so stubborn that we just, we wait so long before we cry out to God? But if, if, if we get into the habit and the mindset, hey, every time, every day, I'm always going to go to God first. I'm not going to let my voice be silenced by my situation or by the enemy or by whatever it is. Hey, let's keep our voices up. Let's keep raising our voices to God. That way we don't have to wait for a, a period that God's always going to be there and always hear our cry. And so obviously uh, Israel's story relates to us uh, many times in our life. But we see in Jeremiah chapter 33, uh, the Lord is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah and things aren't going well in Israel. Uh, things are not going well in Jerusalem. They're being uh, invaded and destroyed. Why? Again, because they didn't cry out to God. They, they, they found other gods that they would cry out to, but they didn't cry out to the, the one true God. So uh, that's, that's what happened. <clears throat> and so Jeremiah 33 and 7 says, I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. And so obviously those words, captivity of Judah and captivity of Israel, to return, that means, that sounds like they're already taken captive. That, that has already happened. Um, and so uh, they are in another country. They're not at home. They are subjected to uh, foreign uh, powers that they should not be subjected to. 
But God says, I will cause them to return as uh, at the first, and I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, and whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. And, and so obviously Israel has sinned, uh, they've transgressed against the Lord, and that's how they ended up in their situation, in their captivity. Uh, but this is a, a prophecy from uh, Jeremiah that says God is going to bring them out of their situation. And he will bring them out of their captivity, and he will cleanse them from all of their sins and uh, their, all their iniquities, and he'll wipe their, uh, their slate clean as if they are, are new. I can't, I know this is help, this is talking about Israel and this prophecy specifically for them, uh, but I can't help to think about my own self, of how I was a captive of sin. And that I was lost without God. And I, that I had sin in my life. And, but there came a day when, when, when God spoke to my heart and my, my soul responded to the drawing of his spirit. And he says, come, I'm going to bring you back. And I, I will wipe away your sins. I will wash away all the transgressions and the iniquities and all those things. I know you've sinned against me, but hey, my grace is sufficient for thee. There's nothing too great that you can do that my love will not cover you. My grace will not be there for you. And so we, like sinners, like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there came a day when there came a voice from heaven that cried, that spoke to us. And I'm thankful that I heard the voice, that my spirit heard that voice, the voice of God, the voice of my creator say, come, come back to me. Come down to this path and I will wash you and I will cleanse you and I will take care of you and I will be there for you. And as Jeremiah said, I will bring the captivity of Judah and Israel and they will return as at the first. As in, as when it all, be, when all, when it all began, when, when they were a, uh, we were a, a good, healthy nation and they, they loved me and they sought after me. As the beginning of this relationship uh, I have with them, that's how I'm going to bring them and that's how I'm going to restore them. And it leads us back to uh, the beginning of mankind, the first. The first encounter with man and God was that God would come down, a voice would come down and, and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. There's, there was this relationship there um, that man and God once had, but sin came in and destroyed it. But I believe that God is at work and the, his plan is to restore humanity so that it would become back as the first. Like, like things never happened, like sin never came in and destroyed. That's what God is trying to do in our life and in this world is to bring us back to that relationship where we can walk with God, that we can feel his presence, we can hear his voice walking with us in the cool of the day. That is what God is calling each and every one of us in this world to do is just to bring us back to the beginning, the way it was at the first. And when that happens... We see in verse 9, it says, the Lord said, it shall be to me a name of joy. What is going to be a name of joy? It's going to be just the restoration of Israel, the restoration of my people back into the place where uh, they once were. That relationship that we once had uh, is is." going to be a joyful thing in the eyes of God. And even though um, we're grateful for this opportunity, uh, God is smiling ear to ear when his people come and back to him. When they cry uh, out to God, is God help me, bring me back, bring me closer to you, and this will be a, a name of joy to God. Uh, to be redeemed and be back in his presence is joyful for God. Obviously, it's joyful for us too. But I can't help to think about what Jesus said in Luke 15 and 7. It says, I say unto you that likewise 
joy, there's that word again, joy shall be found in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Moreover, uh, than 99 just persons that need no repentance. And so uh, there's a joy, there's a sound that happens when somebody turns their ways and say, God, I'm coming back to you. Uh, joy is heard in heaven. Uh, the restoration of relationship. God says that name of it is going to be joy, the name of joy. Uh, this is a great thing that is happening when man again comes back to God. There's a voice that is heard. The voice of uh, God shouting for joy. The, there's joy found in heaven as at the first when things were perfect and, and there was no uh, dissension between God and man. And so, and it shall be to me a name of joy and a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth. You see... Just how much God is on our side if we come to him. He is, he is over the moon when people turn to him and, and repent of their sins and, and want to begin following him. It, it becomes a, the name of joy and it, it becomes a praise and an honor before God when, when he brings a, a fallen people back into his re restoration and, and relationship with him. It is a joy and a praise and an honor to God above, uh, before all the nations of the earth. And so the, the most beautiful thing, it seems, in God's eyes is when his people come back to him. There's, there's so much joy to be found, not just in our hearts. We're not even talking about us. We're talking about the perspective of heaven and, and, and God seeing this happen and this, this thing transfer and transform uh, our lives. And so uh, it's a joy and a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I procure unto it. And so the, the, the question is, is who is the they? Who is the they? They shall fear and tremble. That sounds to me like all the nations of the earth. The world the world is going to fear and tremble because of what God is doing in this person's life and how he's turning their situation around. They may never admit it, but they're afraid of what is happening because that takes some power to transform somebody's life, power that sin cannot fight against. But the, because the blood of Jesus is shed, sin cannot do anything against the blood that is being poured out upon somebody's life. And so whether the world, they'll never admit it, but deep down inside, when somebody Somebody turns from the world and begins marching to God and begins crying out to God saying, God, I need your help. The world is, is, is going to be afraid of that and they're fearful of that because once that happens, nobody can take us from the hand of God. No power, no devil can take us out. No demon in hell can remove us from the hand of God. And so that's why they fear and they tremble uh, when things happen uh, about the good that God is doing to somebody's life. And so here, speaking about Israel and the nation as a whole, when they come, when God brings them back into restoration and, and re a relationship with him, not only is it going to be a praise and a glory and an honor to God that he's going to be uh, bragging and, and telling the whole world, the whole world's going to see it and they're going to be afraid. Because what, what power can do this? The, the power that it took to, to, to get Egypt, the Israel from Egypt is the same power that has that can pull you out of sin. It can pull you out of the deepest, darkest valleys of sin and the deepest darkness. Uh, God has that power to raise you up and to lift you out of that and to 
clean you and to wash you off and to say, look how beautiful my son or my daughter is. The enemy is afraid of that. They can't do anything against that because uh, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And so it all begins with a voice. It all begins with a cry unto God. And this, this whole transformation begins to take place. The world is going to fear and tremble, not the redeemed. Nowhere does it say those that are being brought back are the ones that are to be afraid of, of this world, of the things that are going on. But no, that's what the devil wants to, to put in our minds, is to make us to be fearful and afraid and be anxious and worrisome about what things are going on in the world. No, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Why? We're in the hands of God. God sees where we're at. We're a joy to God. We give him praise and glory and honor because of what is doing. God, he's doing it in our life. And so we should not be afraid. The world is actually the ones that are afraid. The world is the ones that are afraid of us. That's why they're coming after us. They can't defeat, they can't defeat us. And so they, they come after. They try to, to, try to take us out. Uh, because they cannot win the war uh, rightfully and truthfully. And so that what do they do? They try to uh, cause us to be afraid and, and cause us to put our arms down and cause us to surrender. Uh, uh, child, children should, should never surrender. Uh, the enemy is the one that's going to surrender. Uh, we have the power uh, to cast down demons and devils, power to pull down strongholds. I mean, we have the authority and power by the word of God, by the God to stand up and to declare uh, what the word of God says and it says get behind me Satan you don't have power over me I'm submitted to God resist the devil and he's gonna flee why he's afraid of you he's afraid of what's inside of you he's afraid of the hand of God upon you he's afraid what God is doing the power his favor his majesty his anointing upon you and it all begins with a voice with a cry out to God and we let God know how much we need him and how much we cannot live without him. The voice of victory begins this massive transformation, this massive shift in our life and in the heavens and in the spirit realm. It begins with a voice, with a turning, of a turning to God. And so why should we ever let our voices be snuffed out? Why should we ever think that this situation is just going to smother me and I can't even, I, I'm helpless. You may be helpless, but that's okay. Cry out to God and let God come in. When I am weak, that's when God is strong, when I cry out to him, when I utter my voice and God will step in and begin to speak uh, things in my life and lead us to the right place. Man, Jeremiah going on. Verse 10, thus saith the Lord, again there shall be heard in this place. What is that? Is a heard, that means a voice. There's going to be sounds. In this place, there's going to be heard in this place. Which ye say shall be desolate. So the enemy says, this is the, there's nothing here. There's desolation. There's no life. There's no, there's no hope. Just desolation. You say there shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. And so the enemy's speaking up and he's saying, Oh, there's not there's no there's no potential here. There's no future here for you. There's uh, you're not gonna do anything great. And, uh, oh, well, you're, you're, you're not worthy and uh, God can't do anything in you. There's, there's no hope for you. There's just desolation. The voice of the world speaks uh, negativity uh, and, and darkness and hopelessness. There's no hope for you. That's what the 
That's what the world is saying. That's what the enemy is saying. And they want us to believe that. And people will believe that if you listen to them long enough. All of a sudden, we begin to think that we're worthless and there's no hope for us. I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the pits of hell that we are. God does see something in us. That's why he came down. And that's how, why he redeemed us to bring us out because we are valuable in the eyes of God as we saw. It is the name of joy, of praise and honor among all the earth when his people come back to him. And so the enemy is always going to have a voice. And the enemy is always, the enemy is never going to be silent. So why should we be silent? God's not going to be silent. He's, he's always speaking and he's always speaking through his word and, and, and our, our dreams and visions. God is always speaking and the enemy is always trying to speak. And so where's our voice? Hopefully we are speaking too. Hopefully we are crying out to God too. Uh, and so while the world speaks of desolation and there's, there's nothing good going to come out of this situation, there's how can I find, how can I get out of this, or, or they never amount to anything, they're, they're no good. Uh, I'm here to tell you, uh, I'm thankful that God sees something good in me when the world and see anything good. God says, hey, if I, I can clean them up, I can pull them out of that situation and I can turn their life around, I see something good in them. And so I'm thankful that God spoke and spoke to my spirit and drew me to this place. Always begins with a voice. And so what the Lord said that Again, there shall be heard in this place. So what's going to be heard? The enemy says there's nothing going to be heard. Desolation, destruction, hopelessness, there's nothing there. But what is the Lord talking about that is going to be heard? And he tells us what is going to be heard in verse 11. What's going to be heard is... The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride and, and the voice of them that say, praise the Lord of hosts, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. God already hears that. He says, I hear that already. There's going to be a voice of people rising up, people that are joyful, people that are glad, voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, and the people that are saying, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, and the mercy endureth forever. And all of them that bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the return of captivity to the land as of the first, saith the Lord. And so while, see what you see why the enemy wants to speak desolation? You see why the enemy wants to keep quiet because God hears another voice. God hears some people that are just shouting and praising God. Why? What God has done for them. And if he's done that for me, he can do it for you. He can do it for the sinner out there. He can do it for the drug addicted. He can do it for the, the lost uh, sinners, the, the lost prodigals, our, our children. He can do it for them if he can do it. Why? Because God hears a voice and there's a voice of people that are rising up and saying, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord of hosts. The Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. Does anyone here believe that? Do we hear a voice in this place of what God has done? That's the voice of victory. That means no matter what the devil does, I'm going to let my voice up. I'm going to make my voice known. I'm going to shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Why? Because God is good. His mercy is everlasting. And in this place, in this house, there's going to be the voice of joy, voice of gladness in here, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride. Amen. Jesus is the bridegroom, and who is the bride? The church is the bride, right? That means Jesus saying, I hear the voice of my bride. I hear the voice of my children. And they're not crying out, oh, help me. They're singing to God. They're praising the 
God. And so that begins the, the, the way of victory is you got to lift up your voice and shout with a voice of triumph. And then everything from that point begins to turn around. Musicians, if you would come. Amen. Do you stand with me today? Acts chapter 16. It says, when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now, this is Paul and Silas. Now, they were out doing uh, great things for the Lord. They're starting churches and they're, they're healing people and doing all, casting out devils. I mean, they're doing the work of the Lord. And, and, it, and in their perspective, they're like, man, things are going great. Oh, this is awesome. Look what God is doing. Praise God. He's doing so many great things. But all of a sudden, uh, uh, then all of a sudden now they are getting beat. Laid many stripes upon them and he cast them in the prison. Now they get beat and they get thrown in the prison. Talk about a change. Talk about from the mountaintop down to immediately into the valley. Who having received such charge, thrust them in the inner prison, made their feast fast in stocks. And so as quickly as things turned for the worse for them, there was, I'm sure, depression there in that prison and just fear and hopelessness. I mean, that's where, that's where it hangs out, hopelessness and fear in prison is in bondage and, and prisons. There's no hope here. There's, and the enemies, that's the enemy's camp where they like to speak. And what do they speak? The enemy speaks desolation and, and destruction. And you're not getting out of here. And the voice of the enemy is in there, in the prisons and in their situation. Uh, uh, but uh, Paul and Silas, they knew. The enemy has a voice, but I have a voice. And whatever the enemy says, I'm not going to listen to them because they're all lies anyways. And it never leads to any good thing in my life. And so while I have a voice, I might as well use my voice. And if I die in this prison, hey, they're going to hear me singing to my dying day because I'm not going to let the enemy silence me, but I'm going to make it known to the world of the God that I serve. And no matter what the situation is, God's going to bring me out of it. And so what do Paul and Silas do? About midnight, they said, hey, we've had enough of this. We've had enough of this desolation and this hopelessness and this depression in here. No, how about we lift this situation? How about we turn it around? And how did that happen? They started lifting up their voices. They prayed and they started singing praises unto the God and the prisoners heard them. And so what happens is the Bible says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose and they start walking out of there. The, the, the voice of joy was heard again. The voice of gladness started singing, hey, and no matter how dark it is, I'm lifting up my voice. No matter how hopeless it may be, I'm not going to let the devil say the last words. I'm going to speak unto the Lord. Amen. I want to close out this service today. Those we want to sing unto the Lord that no matter what you're going through, let's lift up our voice today and let the enemy know we're not going down without a fight. We've got God on our side. Amen. We're going to be victorious if we lift up our voice. Come on, will you come down? Will you come and worship? Lift up let's your claim voice the victory. And sing for joy. Come on, devil. Clap your hands. 